0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to X and Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at jet one And I am joined by the host of TOJ Film Room over on our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. That, of course, is Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, man, I'm uh, at two more
2: days of work this week. And then as we were talking before, the uh, we started actually recording the podcast. I'm going to Ireland for... 11 days so i will be very very inactive on on twitter uh on youtube on uh, in my job so i'm looking forward to a nice 11 days of uh relaxing a nice little midsummer break for me so i'm ex- I'm excited to have these next couple days over with
1: before you go off and relax in ireland joe let's talk about somebody that has stirred up some emotions and made you not relax. He's made you go back and look at his film. That, of course, is Leonard Williams, who was the number six overall pick in the 2015 draft. I would argue he's played pretty well, but not quite what you would expect from somebody picked that high. And we've had some criticisms of him before. We've also had some praise and defended him from people that have called him a bust, which I think is a little bit ludicrous. One thing that I know in the past that we've discussed at length is Leonard Williams' sloppy technique. It's something you've harped on. When you reviewed his 2018 film, did you see any improvement in that area?
2: Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird with and one, you're talking about the, the bust in that draft and you really look at that draft and who was drafted around and would you guys have, you know, realistically, you can probably look into a second or third round guy, but that, that was not realistic in that scenario. Would you have rather had guys like, you know, Kevin White or Vic Beasley, like, that would that have made you a lot happier? Uh, so to call him a bust is, it's not like slightly ludicrous. It's, it's, it's very, very ludicrous. He's still a very solid player. Um, near Pro Bowl player. He's gone to the Pro Bowl. I know that doesn't mean a ton nowadays, but uh, I think it's more like getting there. Your first time or two means a lot, and then kind of holding that position as you get popular, it's it's a little bit less hard to do. If that kind of makes sense, so he's a Pro Bowl level player. Um, who was held back by by the scheme a little bit in terms of stats and what people want to see on their TVs is him getting sacks and taking out quarterbacks and forcing fumbles. Which, like I said, because of Um, the scheme, he wasn't afforded the opportunity to, to do that consistently. Um, but yeah, the the technique, even though he has a wide array of, of moves, he has, you know, double swipes and single swipes and rips and swims and spins and bull rushes and, you know, forks and the pump moves and a bunch of stuff that he does, but he just doesn't string moves uh, together consistently. Uh, where there's a lot of times where he goes into rushes and he's rushing. One, he, he comes up to snap a little bit delayed at times, and then he'll rush straight into a guy that ducks his head into the contact. He won't really uh, take advantage of his length or his power, where he more just ducks into offensive linemen. And then from that point on, that's when he tries to disengage instead of you know defeating the hands before they get to you. So, the technique is definitely something I he has to work on just, and just being more consistent in it because there are flashes of him having good um, technique where, like I said, I want to see him clear his chest more and keep his chest cleaner more, um, you know, in, in going into his rushes because, like I said, he, he allows the contact to, to come to him or, uh, you know, get inside of him. So that's something he definitely, you know, has to, has to work on. There's other things as well where... You know when he's when he's pairing the other moves he, he will bend a little bit too far outside or he he'll, he'll widen out to, to throw those moves instead of staying tight you want to stay tight and defeat the hands you don't want to widen out and defeat the hands because obviously the more you widen out the harder it is for you to, to get to the quarterback uh, literally just by how far you are away from him so you have to work on things like that staying low getting off the, the snap uh, quicker uh, you know stacking his moves together not not letting guys get into his chest but like I said there are flashes of, of the other good things as well.
1: Joe, we know that Leonard Williams has had some disappointing sack totals over the last couple of years. Do mm-hmm. you think that the deficiencies in his technique that you just outlined are the biggest reason why?
2: Uh, well, it's, it's, it's that. And, yeah, if I'm just he him improve on it, and if he, if he did improve on all the things I just said, then, yeah, he would get more sacks. But as you know, um, as you've done shows with the uh, – I think every single time you, you do a podcast with Nani, you insult him by calling him nerdy stat numbers or whatever. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. But um, but uh, yeah. So you know that he's had a high amount of of quarterback hits every single year, and it's kind of almost like unparalleled how many how many hits he has of the quarterback um versus sacks. Where you think eventually that's going to to even out because he just has a crazy amount of hits that just do not convert. Whether he gets there, um, you know, just a quarter of a second too late, or depending on the scheme, you know, with with the Jets, they did obviously run some stunts, and I put up plenty of you know, pirate stunts, T-stunts, E-T stunts, t stunts that he was involved in, but a lot of what he was asked to do was two-gapping. Um, when you're two-gapping, it's a lot more read and react, you know, whereas if you're just a single-gap penetrator, uh, you're playing the run and the pass basically in the same way where you're, you know, you're responsible for that B-gap, attack that B-gap. If it's, a, if it's a, a run, you know, find the running back. If it's a, uh, you know, obviously a pass, get to the quarterback, but it's all an aggressive-type first step. Um, with that scheme where when we are two-gapping, it's more, okay, stack the guy, um, whether it be the guard, the center, the tackle, stack them. You're responsible for both the, you know, A-B gap, both A gaps, you know, the, the B-C gap, whatever it may be. If it is a pass, then you then you rush from there. So it takes, you know, that first step aggressive, aggressiveness away, um, you know, from him and his ability to just, like I said, just, just take that hard step upfield or whatever you want to do. So it delays the rush a lot. Um, when you have to stack and then shed to get uh, into into your pass rush instead of just you know going uh, to defeat whatever lineman you're going against immediately, no matter when it's a pass or a rush, uh, a pass or a run play, which happened you know it, he obviously did that sometimes. He didn't he didn't two gap every single play of his career, but I think when once you start seeing him penetrating more, looping more, um, you know. Being in the more aggressive scheme of Greg Williams, you'll see the stat, the, the sacks go up. I, I have no doubt that his, his sack numbers are going to go up this year.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
1: the double and triple teams that people say Leonard Williams is facing and point to that as a big reason why his numbers aren't correlating with an elite level player from reviewing his 2018 film did you find that he was facing that many double and triple teams or is that something that people have inflated a lot
2: uh it's it's pretty it's pretty typical of any in, interior defensive lineman whether yeah, you know, I know he played five technique. He even played wider than five sometimes. He's actually standing up as an edge rusher at times, and, and some you know in different looks at you know Todd Bowles and his defense. Uh, you know, kind of threw out there against whatever team it may be. So he played all the defensive line, but he definitely was you know interior a lot, free technique a lot, and in any any running scheme, you're going to get a lot of a lot of combo blocks. That's that's pretty typical of of any. Um, running scheme, whether it be you know power, and it's a and it's a Trey block or a Deuce block up to the linebackers, or whether it be an inside zone and you're and you know and you have a you have a ricochet technique or a crowler technique or a cross shove. Like there's be, there's many techniques uh, that are used in zone where you're, where the interior defensive linemen even the guys on the exterior are going to face some form of a of a combo block. I don't really like saying double teams because double teams is two guys versus you no matter what. We're combo blocks. You know, the, the first initial phase of it is, OK, you know, uh, the, the high leg tries to kind of push Leo or whoever it may be inside or outside um, to the, you know, post man um, and then move on to the second level or to their next block. Uh, so it happens a lot. So it's not like he was he was singled out, like he was double teamed any more than any other guy. And yeah, there, there was, you know, a good amount of combo blocks. Uh, triple teams that I, I don't think I've ever seen that um, in the NFL. Um, really, I guess you could say a triple team. Okay, combo block. He gets past that. Maybe the running back is, is scanning the field, and then you know he blocks him as well. So I guess there are some examples of him facing three blockers, but not necessarily a triple team, if that makes sense. So um, I don't think it was abnormally high. I, I think it was pretty normal for an interior defensive lineman. I there's a little bit of attention paid to him, but it's something that he has to you, you have to learn how to beat. I think he was a little bit better this year uh, at taking on combo blocks, where last year or two years ago is definitely one of his weaknesses where, you know, this year he learned how to, um, how to diagnose plays a little bit quicker, uh, dent the post as you have to do when you're taking on a combo block. Um, so you're not, you know, fighting two guys, you're really more fighting one guy, handling him and then kind of just absorbing some contact, uh, from that, from that high leg. But, um, it's something he, he faced a decent amount, but like I said, it's not anything really crazy abnormal.
1: Would you say he's an elite level run defender? Uh, no, I think I think he's
2: I think he's a, he's definitely very solid. I'm not going to call him elite because, like I said, there are times where he plays a little bit too high um, in in the run game, and I think that there are times where he'll commit to a gap a little bit too early. Whether it be uh, mostly in zone plays, I saw where you know, let's say he's trying to stack a, a right guard, and instead of kind of being uh, keeping his length um, and playing both the you know b in the a gap he'll kind of there sometimes will commit too soon to the b gap giving the running back uh, you know cut back lanes so there are some tec- technical things that he could definitely work on in the run game versus combo blocks versus committing to gaps too early but at the same time there are plays where he uses his athleticism he uses his power um he uses some of the moves that he that he does have to his advantage and you know on the back side of runs he's a very good player as well because on the back side uh, for the most part against zones are going to you know, f- uh, face less combo blocks, and he's going to be able to use his lateral agility um, on those zones plays, on the on the backside of plays, instead of having to use, like, a lot of power on the front side. And you saw that come in t- into play with him scraping down the line of scrimmage, beating uh, a block, um, and making tackles, where on that on that backside of the play, you can be more, more aggressive than on the front side, uh, for the most part, and trying to chase the, the run down. Obviously, you don't want to just give up, you know, cuts backside, uh, but you you are able to be more aggressive on that backside versus versus the front side versus uh, some runs, and you know if you are going to be uh, stacking two gapping, you know as as compared to to penetrating. So, um, yeah, very very good. I'm not going to call him elite yet, though.
1: Is there anything to the idea that he may have been held back by the Todd Bowles Casey Rogers defense?
2: Uh, yeah, that, 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 that depends on what you think of being being held back. Listen, uh, he was still a very good. Uh, player and he didn't have as many sacks. Uh, so, yeah, statistically, was he held back? Yes, but he was still a very, very good player. Uh, two gapping, you know, penetrating. Obviously, they they both serve different roles, and and uh, they both are you know, kind of have like I said, I guess their own roles and what what they're what, what they're asked to do is for different reasons. So he was he was effective at two gapping, and he did what he was asked to do for the most part. Um, so he didn't produce as much. Um, in terms of the, those sacks, but he was still very, very effective. So did it hold him back statistically? Yes, but I don't think it made him, you know, a bad player. I, I think it just comes down to, to film study and understanding what they're being asked to do. So if he's being a very good two gapping player is a, is a really good two gapper a really good one, uh, one gap or penetrator. What's what's more effective? It obviously depends on the defense and you know a lot, uh, many more things. But it's not like he was ineffective and he was put into a role that he couldn't handle. Um, but now you know you have obviously fans or people who oh was Leonard Williams good? Okay, Leonard Williams staffed into Google. Uh, whatever he had, I don't know, three and a half, four sacks, whatever it was last year. No, he wasn't good. Where if he's one one gap, uh, one gapping, penetrating this year, if people look up the stats and let's say you know seven, eight sacks. Yeah, he was more effective this year. He got a lot better. Was he better or was he asked to, to do something different? So uh, I think fans and what they're looking at uh, this year, they'll, they'll say that he's better and he'll produce more. So um, I guess that kind of answers your question.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
1: You and your co-host Marcus Coleman did a pretty thorough review of Greg Williams' defense, which if you haven't watched yet, you can check out on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. And so you have a pretty good idea of what Greg Williams likes to do. How yeah. do you envision him using Leonard Williams in this defense? And do you think Leonard Williams will be a good fit?
2: Yeah, it requires this, this defense, more than Todd Bowles' defense, requires more athleticism. Like I've said many, many times before, it's a lot more based on gap exchanging, stunting, uh, looping around on pirate stunts or, like I said, T-E, T-T, E-T, whatever the stunt may be. So it requires a lot more horizontal movement and athleticism. And I think, if anything, you know, Leonard Williams does have a good power, but I think the best part of his game, you know, is his athleticism for his size. So he's going to be asked to use that athleticism more, um, you know, both as a penetrator both at, and as the looper. Um, and it also plays his athleticism in terms of him, being able to to one gap and, and and penetrate instead of like I said having to two gap, which will two gap sometimes, or there'll, there'll be plenty of plays where you know he might be a zero tech or or a two tech and have to be responsible for two gaps, but it's going to be uh, far less often than, than it was in, in Todd Bowles' defense. So I think this scheme plays a little bit better to his to his strengths um, in terms of being that athletic uh, defensive tackle that he was. He was never a guy. You know, in college, and like I said, he is still powerful. I think I think that is one of his traits, but he is more of an athletic type guy uh, who has good movement skills, good lateral agility, um, good bend for his size for sure. So Greg Williams is an him to, to move around a lot, you know, line up over – you know the 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 uh, the backside guard, and then be responsible for the frontside a gap as he's as he's a penetrator. Like there's going to be a lot of movement and a lot of confusing type looks for defenses or for offenses against the Jets. So I think that does play to him. Um, even though, like I said, he was he was pretty effective in, in the two gapping scheme as well. I don't think Todd Bowles misused Leonard Williams. It's just what's what's asked he what, what he was asked to do in his scheme. And I think a lot of people have heard the term. And there's some things that people hear. Or seeing and then they take that as like as like religion like yeah you're you're supposed to be able to you know change your scheme a little bit for a guy uh to, to use him most effectively but you can't completely change your scheme based on one player especially on the defensive line you know listen if he if he has a two gap he has a two gap on certain plays. If you only have three guys down you're trying to send guys into coverage or exotic uh, exotic blitzes you can't say okay well leo's a better penetrator i'm gonna have to send him every single time on a one gap like you know, so I think that's a little bit uh, kind of overstated. where you get to change your scheme to your players. I think you change it a little bit and try to figure out where they fit best in. But it's not that easy Just like, oh, yeah, you know, what? I'm going to change my entire defense. Like that's that's not very easy to do for how complex these defenses are and how hard they are to run. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this this defense will ask him to, uh, to to move around a lot, which does play to um, one of his major strengths.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: How do you see the addition of Quinn and Williams on that defensive line impacting the play of Leonard Williams?
2: Uh, he's, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's going to be fun, man. We, we were on the, the, I, when I get, when I hear Quinn Williams' name and ask about him, I just get giddy because I still can't believe that the Jets drafted him and I kind of forget at times that he's, he's on the Jets and, um, Even just like little ways, even just Quentin Williams, you know, for let's say he's rushing off of the quarterback's right side, pushing that right side, and Leonard Williams is is rushing off of his left, pushing Leonard Williams literally right into a sack. Like just, just the pressure that's going to come from Leonard Williams or or from Quentin Williams is going to uh, force quarterbacks right into Leonard Williams' face, and you know, vice versa, where Leonard Williams is going to force some quarterbacks to step right into Quentin Williams where he's rushing. So. Um. Now there are some plays, like I said, where you know he faced a good amount of combo blocks, which I think is pretty typical. But there was undeniably some plays where you know he's he was he was you know kind of I guess not afforded, but he was given extra attention. I think that more comes in the pass game than in, than the run game, whether it be a slide or a chip from a tight end or, you know, a running back staying in to, to uh, block and Leonard Williams being his first read. Um, so there are some, I, th- I think that that was more true in the pass game. I saw that more in the pass game than in the run game. So the run game, you kind of just got to do what you got to do. You can't really just double team a guy. Um, you know, fully double team, not, I'm not talking about combo blocks. They're, they're two different things to me. Um, so in the pass game, I, th- I think it, Gives him more room and uh, less double teams uh, to to face chips or you know whether it be a guy hand checking him which you know basically just throwing out a left hand or a right hand using your length and trying to just assist the other offensive lineman just a little bit on that guy so I think he's going to get more opportunities in, in in terms of facing more single teams um, both because of this the scheme and Quinn and Williams where yeah there's still going to be some uh, there's still going to be some plays where. Leonard Williams is facing, you know, multiple blockers or, you know, it's not multiple blockers. There's going to be, you know, like I said, a running back staying in a tight end, maybe chipping him if he's coming off as a five tech or a four I or whatever it may be. But now Quinn Williams is going to take up some of those uh, some of those blocks as well, where you know, maybe not at first. That's Quinn Williams does adjust because, let's you know, let's face he's still is a rookie. So there's still going to be an adjustment period for him. I don't think it's going to be very large because his technique is ridiculous. So I think he'll come on pretty strong. But I think as you see, see the season come on and you see Quentin Williams come on more, uh, you'll see Leonard Williams face less uh, blocks and less uh, kind of him being read less as Quentin Williams because it becomes more of a focal point as well. I'm not saying Quinn Williams would will be better than Leonard Williams you know, at first or even his first season, but uh, even though I think he will be. Um, but like I said, progressively, it's going to take less pressure off of, off of Leonard Williams and Quinn Williams to will start to be that focal point or not, even if it's not a focal point, a more focused on piece, um, of the pass rush of the jets. So along with the scheme, along with, you know, guys, uh, like you know, Quinton Williams coming into the defense. Even guy like Avery Williamson, I think is going to blitz more, going to take less pressure off of off of Leonard Williams because the Jets do have a stronger a stronger front this year. They have a, definitely good uh, blitzers. You have guys like Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams. You have guy like Avery Williamson who's a good blitzer. You have Brian Poole off the edge who who is just as good, if not better than than a uh, you know Buster Screen coming off the edge. So he has plenty of guys around him now, uh, and hopefully Jukai Polite who develops. So I think people are sleeping on a little bit right now. Um, who's also going to help in that in that category. So he's definitely facing less pressure.
1: If Chikai Polite becomes anywhere near as good as we're hoping he can be, that should definitely take a lot of the pressure off of him, right? Because as we know, he hasn't had anybody on the outside that's come even close to being a real threat on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, like, like I said, with just less, less double teams and uh, less chips or... You know, uh, less running backs. Well, let, let's just say the like a, for a very simple example, the running back is you know split, uh, you know just just a, a few yards wide of the of the quarterback in a typical gun set, and instead of now reading the interior of the of the defensive line where Leonard Williams will most likely be rushing um, from, now that running back is is looking on the edge, or maybe now the tight end comes in and and chips Jachai light. so. Having edge pressure will definitely help, just in terms of the blocks he will face, and obviously also when you think about rushing. If 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 the pressure is coming off the edge, what do quarterbacks have to do? They have to step up. If you're going to try to step up into Quentin Williams and letter Williams, good luck with that. So uh, edge pressure, edge pressure would definitely help them, them both. Where if you had if you had both edge and exterior pressure, uh, you're going to get a ton of sacks, and I, I think that's that's going to be. Um, something the jets are looking to do. Obviously, they have to overcome the cornerback situation, which we have talked about a lot because the way to combat the the great front seven that the jets have is pretty it's pretty obvious answer is to spread them out a lot of empty sets, ten personnel, maybe eleven personnel, but you don't really want to go heavy versus the jets and get rid of the ball quickly. So uh, that's something I'm gonna really be kind of interested in to see how the jets combat it, whether it be with traps or cones or palms coverage, that kind of confuse quarterbacks. Uh, if, they, if they make a quick read, they better understand what they're looking at because the Jets are going to be reading uh, the 2-1 to one or the 1-2, to two, or there's a bunch of different coverages that I just mentioned. I'm not going to explain them all, but I'm hoping they're, they're throwing a lot of kind of eye candy and tricks at offenses to make them think that one spot's open when it's really not if you're going to send a lot of blitzers. so. Uh, but I'm kind of going into a completely different zone now. But, yeah, ex- exterior pressure always helps interior pressure and vice versa.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Before the draft, Brett Coleman from Battle Red blog on SB Nation and who does incredible YouTube videos came on to talk about a bunch of the draft prospects, including Quinn and Williams. And during that appearance on the podcast, and by the way, he's going to be on again soon, he said that he believes that if the Jets drafted Quinn and Williams and teamed him with Leonard Williams and C.J. Mosley, that it would be the kind of deadly combination that would lead to teams being virtually unable to run against the Jets. Do you share that assessment?
2: Yeah, they call that the, the inside triangle of, uh, <laughs> of defenses and if you're going to try to, if you're going to run against the Jets, it's going to have to be wide zones or sweeps or anything that breaks, you know, outside um, to kind of make some of those guys ineffective. Or it's obviously, you know, Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams, they have, they have great chase down speed. But if you're going, if they're a free tech on the backside of a play and like a, and like a four, three under look, uh, are they going to be able to consistently chase down guys who, who are breaking, you know, outside of the hash? You know, if they cut back, yeah, I expect them to, but um, not if they're cutting out wide the, the entire time. But listen, if you're going to run an interior run, you know, inside zone, uh, a tra- trap run, uh, a pin and fold inside, whatever it may be, um, you're going to have to try to beat all of those guys in a very small space. If you, th- I don't see a lot of guys running up the interior, a lot of offenses running up the interior, and having to uh, block. Both Williams and C.J. Mosley, on one player to make an effective run. I don't see many runs going for anything you know, past five yards in, in the um, interior of, of that defense. It's very, very strong. It's one of the top units um, in the NFL, the front seven this year, I, I believe. Um, and especially that interior. I don't know how many better combos there is going to be in the NFL. You know, mine, Not even just the front seven, but just those, that inside triangle. If you're looking at Quinn Williams, Leonard Williams, C.J. Mosley, is there many better uh, you know, trios in that in the NFL, I, 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 I could probably think of one or two, maybe three, if I really looked through all the teams. But I also think that could be the best, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the year. So uh, it's not going to be easy to, to run versus that now. And if you run to the exterior, you have guys like, you know, Jordan Jenkins, who played better last year. You have Brandon Copeland. You have Ja'Kai Polite, who I think is a little bit underrated in terms of the run defender. You have guys like Jamal Adams, who have the athleticism out there. You have Brian Poole, who's a really good, um, in terms of, he's a really good corner in terms of tackling. Um, and, being, uh, and, and being able to and willing to stick his nose in there. if Henry Anderson is athletics. So we are not going to be an easy group to run against. That is for damn sure teams are going to beat us passing the ball. Uh, if they do, you know, beat the defense or beat up the defense a little bit. But that, that inside triangle is not something you're going to want to screw around with.
1: All things considered... Everything that we just talked about, what do you think Jets fans can reasonably expect from Leonard Williams this year, production-wise? Do you think he's going to take a big step forward, and if so, how much and what will that entail?
2: It's funny, Scott, because as soon as I told you that I did not like to predict stats, that's when you started asking me about more stat predictions. <laughs> I, I see what you're doing. Um, but no, last year he okay. Let's see, he had 42 tackles, five five sacks. In his first year, he had 68 tackles and seven sacks, which is kind of the same system. So, uh, and like I said, and like Nani has said, he's the, he's the, he, I think, I believe you refer to him as the resident stats nerd. Um, (laughs) So to refer to the resident stats nerd, he has a lot of quarterback hits that are not translated. So even just, even if he was in the same scheme this year, I would expect five sacks to maybe, you know, at least seven, seven and a half sacks, because one, he has more talent around him um which is going to assist him now you're going to more count around him in, in a more aggressive defense i'm going to say you're going to look at probably the, around the same number of of, of uh of tackles it, uh, it was 42 last year let's call it an even 50 but i think his five sacks go up to up to eight or nine sacks because of the like i said the penetrating the more talent around him so i think he does two sacks or you know a sack or two better than his 2016 year his sophomore season and then now more fans uh Next year, we're going to be talking about oh, we need to resign him. He needs to be on the team. Where this year, because he was too gapping and talking, you know, and all the things where I was mentioning before, we're breaking down his game, um, people are going to be looking at the stats more, and he's going to be more productive. They're going to see him more on the broadcast angles. They're going to notice him more on Sundays when they're sitting on their couch or you know, even at the game. So from a guy who uh, last year people were saying trade him for a second round pick. Which listen, if you're not going to resign him, a second round pick is great. But how many second round players are you getting that's a, that's a Pro Bowl level player. Um, who I think will probably make the Pro Bowl this year or be very close to it in the, in the second round. It's, people It's not acting like second-round picks are consistently uh, project like Leonard Williams. When's the last time the Jets have had a really, really good second-round pick? I don't. You've been a fan longer than me, Scott, but when's the last time the Jets have had a second-round pick that's better than Leonard Williams? Uh, people will say Marcus May, but I'm thinking Leonard Williams or Marcus May any single day of the week, Um, even right now in their careers and with Leonard Williams having to get a contract. So he's going to be a guy who is probably looking at a payday. Now, do the Jets re-sign him? um i'm hoping so because you want to keep a strength of strength you want to he's he's a good he's a good player um he's not a locker room problem if anything he's a he's a positive um kind of voice in the locker room he's he's developing into a veteran and more of a veteran p- presence in the locker room for the young guys and like like i was saying before the front setting especially that that inside triangle if you have one of the best in the nfl let's keep it the best in the nfl the jets don't have a ton of um, homegrown players that 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 need to be resigned right now. It's, it's Leonard Williams and Robbie Anderson. So I, I like to keep Leonard Williams around, uh, keep him and Quentin Williams together, uh, and then maybe at the at the end of the second that you know that second contract, or if you have to resign for the third contract, maybe that's when you get rid of him or don't let him resign. But I, I don't think getting rid of a guy who is what 24, 25 years old this year and is still going into his prime. He's just going into his prime prime now, or even at the at the first step of his prime. Um, I think he's a, going to be an interesting piece uh, for this team. I think he's going to be a guy who should be resigned because, let's face it, he's, he's still on this point of defense, you know, or going into next year, he's still probably, what, the fourth best player on, on defense. And if no a near pro Bowl level uh, level player, let's not just get rid of him for nothing. I don't, I don't like the idea of trading him for second or third round pick. I think that's extremely foolish, to be completely honest.
1: Off the top of my head, I would say that the last time that the Jets had a player that they drafted in the second round who ended up better than Leonard Williams, it would have been David Harris, who was drafted Uh in 2007, so 12 years ago. Regardless, if you had a general manager that you were 100% confident in to pick somebody, that could be better than Leonard Williams in the second round. And like you said, if you're 100% convinced that he's not worth re-signing, then fine. But otherwise, Uh I think it's wise to let it play out. And see what you have in this young player, who I think still has a lot of room for growth. And based on your film review, I think you agree, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I said, he's twenty-four, you know, or twenty-five years old. And people really say the, the top level of their prime is like twenty-six years old, right around there. Uh, like I said, he's going to be more penetrating, one gapping. So his that, his his sacks are going to go up. You're going to notice him more. Uh, he could still develop technique. He developed his technique from two years ago to last year. Like I said, in terms of anchoring down versus uh, combo blocks, which I think he did much better last year, where he really learned how to better dent the post, like you say, uh, you know, drop those hips to, to the ground and drive his knee into the ground, um, kind of shield himself and lessen himself versus combo blocks. So there, so there's definitely some improvements. I think he's going to continue to improve. His stat numbers are, or his sack numbers are going to go up, um, and people are going to want to resign him. And even with David Harris, I think that's you. Know, that's that's an argument you can make. Um, what was that? You said 12, 12, years ago, David Harris and David Harris was always a very, you know, consistent linebacker, but he's a very limited linebacker. I don't think he ever made the pro Bowl. So you can argue who is better and who would you rather have on your team a prime Leonard Williams or or a prime David Harris. I know a lot of Jets fans who kind of have like a little bit of nostalgia with David Harris might think that's crazy. But I think there's a very strong argument to, to say Leonard Williams makes more of an impact on the game than a guy like David Harris. Uh, minus David Harris, who obviously would call out plays and things like that. that's so a very big piece of the of the defense. And I don't know who I would necessarily choose either one of those one of those guys. I think it's definitely uh, it's it's a good argument either way. So uh, let's not just get rid of him and just let him walk. When he's a guy who, like I said, is a is a very solid player, a pro ball level player, uh, good in the locker room, good for Quentin Williams' development, and will help Quentin Williams reach his full potential. Because let's face it, if if, if Williams is not in there, um, Quentin Williams is going to face more uh, or get more attention which will take away from him some of his production. So let's let's keep that inside triangle strong.
1: I'm 100% against letting Leonard Williams walk for nothing or trading him for virtually nothing. But I'm going to unfortunately have to let you walk because you've got to go on vacation, Joe. So I'm going to let you head out. But thank you so much for coming on. And reviewing the 2018 film of Leonard Williams with me, I'm very excited, as you know, to see what he can do in this Greg Williams defense, but more importantly, with C.J. Mosley and Quinton Williams by his side, I think they can be a really nasty combination, the three of them. Like you said, triangle of death. I think teams are going to have a lot of trouble running on them, and I do expect to see Leonard Williams start to convert a lot of those pressures to sacks. It's been kind of crazy, as Michael Nanny has pointed out, how the pressures have not not converted to sacks at almost historically strange levels. I think that'll start to reverse this year, and he's one of the players I'm most interested to see on the field for the Jets. Joe, really appreciate it. Enjoy your Mm -hmm. trip. But before you go, let everybody know how they can check out your film reviews, who you've reviewed, who you've got coming up when you come back from vacation. But while you're gone, I want to make sure that they're catching up on the reviews that you've done in case they've fallen behind.
2: Yeah, I think it was like becoming a nickname now for the Jets interior of their uh their, the that inside triangle, the triangle of death or the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle or it's gonna be called something now. Um, but yeah, uh, vacation, I'm definitely excited for it, but I got plenty of stuff coming up and like you said, while I'm on vacation they're probably gonna trade for Jalen Ramsey and then my, my reviews gonna be very uh, delayed because I don't have I'm not gonna have my laptop in uh, Ireland with me. Um, I probably won't be in the mental, the, the correct mental state to be continuously doing film reviews, but I've been doing a ton of stuff, and I know that uh, the preseason games and after all the games, I'm assuming, I think we did it last year, we did like X's and O's crickets of every single game, so we're we're going to do that again, so that's something to look forward to. Um, I just did on my Twitter, and as you know, uh, it's at JoeRB31, I just did Donald, I did Adams, I did Anderson, I did Leo, I did Jonathan Harrison, I did Jordan Jenkins, I did Avery Williamson, just finished Henry Anderson. Uh, today, which I don't know if this is getting released when we're recording it, but I'm not going to say today now, and then I have guys um, like Brandon Shell, Brian Winters, Chris Herndon, Marcus May, Anunwa, and Tremaine Johnson coming up both on Twitter and shows on YouTube, and the archives, like I said, it's not a show that's storylines, so it's not like, oh, well, should they fire McKagan? Like, you can't listen to that show again if you recorded that in you know January but I have shows on Adam Gase and Mosley and Le'Veon Bell and Greg Williams and all these different things that you could always go back and check so uh, pretty much any Jets player that you ever want to see review on I have it done already and I only have a couple more coming up and then preseason comes camp comes the season starts uh, definitely exciting time so I'm ready to get these few done and watch some new football games for the first time in, in six seven months
1: Joe, have a great trip. Looking forward to talking to you more about some of these film reviews when you get back. Go ahead and follow him on Twitter at JoeRB31. Watch all his great film reviews over on YouTube at Turn On The Jets TV. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.